Well, the news cycle uh, certainly is not dull, is it? There have been so many poignant stories of hardship, heartache, and human suffering all over the news. Houston, Texas, of course, comes immediately to mind, and the countless people affected in so many tough ways. And as I was thinking about this sermon this week, obviously Irma was bearing down on Florida as it continues to do so right now as residents all over the state gaze out into the horizon wondering how bad it is going to be. And certainly during the uh, hurricane in Houston, it was very rough seeing scenes of the aged and disabled sitting in feet of dirty water and flooding nursing homes or retirees or young couples standing stunned looking at their flattened or water-ruined homes. And then Friday morning, we learned of a massive earthquake hitting Mexico, a country very dear to my heart, hurling even more pain into a people who have endured far too much. And we can, of course, add the other story that's going on that's kind of lowered in volume but is constantly there about this mad nutbag who wants to threaten the world with new nuclear weapons. Yes, indeed, the news cycle has been pretty darn rough. And on top of that, I know that there are those of us here today who are living in storms much closer to home, the kinds of storms that don't have anything to do with the weather. Now, it would be not hard for some of us sometime to slip into a negative, no-hope state of mind. And whenever, wherever we are with our own travails, it's not unreasonable to ask at times, where on earth is God in all of this? Are there any signs God is involved around and, and caring and, and responding? Well, the short answer is an absolute resounding yes. God is all over everything that is happening. God is everywhere, and God's presence does not depend on what is occurring, what we are feeling emotionally, what we are believing, or what the cynical voices around us might be happen to be saying. And I've come to see that when we feel the absence of God, that it's not always such a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it doesn't mean if we are wondering where God is that we don't have faith or we don't trust God or that we don't have a relationship with God. Feeling his absence does not mean those things. But when God feels far away, it does mean that we are God-created human beings made with hearts that sometimes break, sometimes don't understand why things happen the way they do, and that sometimes, unlike God, we don't have all the answers. But I also believe it's true that when we feel the absence of God, it could very well be an invitation. An invitation from God for us to open up our minds and be willing to seek God in the most unexpected places in unexpected ways. Over the years, I've come to believe that God uses every possible means to remind each of us of his presence, his power, his healing strength, forgiveness, and love. And obviously, God uses the primary sources of scripture and people of faith and faith communities and the selfless acts of others to remind us of God's presence right now, right here. But what I want to get into today are some of the other, perhaps less obvious ways that God reveals his presence when we feel his absence. Now, our reading today is from the book of Job. If you're feeling down, I don't recommend it. <laughs> On many levels, it's one of the most challenging books of the Bible, and there's so many ways to get into the book of Job, so many layers to it. However, today I want to take one very short, specific track with it. 
For those of you that may not know, you remember, you may remember or may would like to know that Job was a fellow whose life was just awesome at every level. He had a loving family, a loving wife, he had grandchildren, he had limitless wealth, he had material wealth, he was generous, he was a good guy, he helped a lot of people out. Scripture says he was a person of deep faith and was respected by many. And in scripture, he's described as a blameless person of complete integrity. And at the beginning of the book, Satan approaches God and says to God, in essence, hey, God, this fellow named Job, he is so wonderful, and he has such great faith in you only because, only because his life is good. Take what is good away, and he will give up his faith. Well, like it or not, and frankly, I don't like it, but God gives Satan permission to take everything away from God, from Job, his faith, his family, his wealth, his community standing, and his health. Satan takes everything away, and Job is decimated. And when this happens, three of Job's friends show up, and most of the rest of the book is a dialogue between Job, his three friends, and God. But toward the end of the book, a fellow named Elihu shows up. And we don't know much about this guy, but regardless, he does have a lot to say. And in excerpts, this is just what was read this morning, but I just want to give you those excerpts again. Here's just some excerpts from it. Listen to the thunder, the rolling, rumbling thunder of God's voice. He lets loose his lightnings from one horizon to horizon. No one can mistake that voice, his word thundering so wondrously, his mighty acts staggering our understanding. He orders the snow, blanket the earth, and the rain soak the whole countryside. No one can escape the weather, it's there, and no one can escape from God. And it goes on. These are magnificent words. And Elihu, Elihu was trying to get Job to remember something, something that we too are invited to embrace. And that is while Elihu's words are not meant to be a scientific explanation of weather phenomenon, his words remind us the obvious thing that sometimes we forget when God feels absent. And that is that our God is our creator and created all of the natural world. And as creation is from God, God reveals himself through creation. And one place to find God, to seek God, and to experience God when God feels absent is through creation itself. And what better place do we have to do that than right here in this valley? Now, this does not mean worship creation, worship trees, rocks, worship creation. That's not what I'm saying. But what it means is rather to worship the one who created everything and to immerse ourselves in God's beauty. That when we are in nature, we gain insight into who God is and what God is all about, as God created it all. When we are out and about in the wilderness that surrounds us, we can learn so much about God who made it all. Through creation, we are reminded that God is beautiful. God is creative beyond description. God is all-powerful. Through creation, we learn and are reminded that there are cycles of life as God intends for there to be. There is new birth, there is growth, there is endings, there is death, there is rebirth. God shows us this through creation. There are seasons in creation and seasons in life as God intends. And when there's destruction, like following a forest fire, there is rebirth. Pine cones explode, the seeds go everywhere. 
just as there can be rebirth in our own lives following destruction. In creation, we can witness fury, which reminds us not of an angry, destructive God, but reminds us that God is passionate, passionate, and full of unbounded energy, the same energy that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. And when we are in dark places, feeling the absence of God, immersing ourselves in what God created can give us glimpses of the one we are missing, not seeing or not feeling. God uses his creation, nature itself, to remind us of his continual presence. But as God is everywhere, God does not just use nature to draw us back to him and remind us of his presence, but God uses, in fact, every means possible to get to us, even those that are completely secular. Now remember what secular means. One dictionary defines secular as something denoting attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. Secular is something that has no religious or spiritual basis. What I'm getting at is I believe there are reminders of God, hints of God, symbols of God, paths to see God, and invitations from God to remind us of God and his presence in things that on the surface have absolutely nothing to do with God. Remember, God is everywhere. And I believe when we are open to seeing God, even in the secular, we will encounter God more often than if we limit ourselves simply to trying to find God in things that are overtly religious. This truth I find all the time in music. There's so many musicians who are either not Christian or have no intent of writing anything about God that actually come up with lyrics that metaphorically represent everything about God. There's so many examples of this. We heard one just a little bit ago. I never met John Denver, although I know some of you knew him very well here. And while I don't know anything about his faith life, I know a lot of his lyrics, including Annie's song, which he wrote for his wife at the time. Here's some excerpts. You fill up my senses like a night in the forest, like the mountains in the springtime, like a walk in the rain, like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean. You fill up my senses, come fill me again. Come let me love you, let me give my life to you. Is that really just about a wife? On the surface, this song is completely secular. It's a love song about a specific person that has nothing to do with faith. That said, if we are willing to look at more than one level of the lyrics, in fact, if we are willing to walk about day in and day out in our life with the lenses of faith on and not separate the secular from the sacred, but with lenses of faith on, so many secular songs can become powerful messages about our life in Christ. Yes, Annie's song is a beautiful love song, but with the lenses of faith, could you hear God singing? Could you hear God inviting us to say, Christ, you fill up my senses like mountains in the springtime. Christ, you fill up my senses. Come fill me up with your spirit again. Christ, let me love you. Let me give you my life. And while I know that this was not the intent of the song, it's a great example that if we are willing to put our faith lenses on when looking at things that happen to be secular, we will begin to see messages of faith and hope of God all over the place. 
How about Bob Dylan? You know this song. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? And yes, how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is the answer is blowing in the wind. The song was written about war and civil rights issues. I know that. I get that. But what's one of the images of the Holy Spirit that is used in the book of Acts? Wind. Wind is used in an image for the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Wind. And so on a spiritual level, if we look at this secular song with lenses of faith on, this song can say to us that we may not have the answers, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the wind has the answers when we don't. And it's okay to sometimes let the Holy Spirit have the answers that we do not. Again, a reminder of the presence of God. Or finally, how about this tune? Sometimes, here are the lyrics, sometimes in our own lives we all have pain, we all have sorrow, but if we were wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong and let me be your friend. I'll help you carry on. If we have lenses of faith on, We'll see this song conveying a message of the importance of supporting one another. We'll see it through another lens. We'll see the words of Jesus appear before us. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest upon your souls. That secular song can remind us of the words of Jesus to lean on him. Remember earlier I said that I believe when we feel the absence of God, it could very well be an invitation from God for us to open up our minds and be willing to put on lenses of faith and be willing to seek God in the most unexpected places and ways. And I believe that God uses every means possible, as I said, to remind us each of his presence, power, healing, strength, forgiveness, and love. And God is found not just in places that are intentionally religious, but everywhere because there is no place that God is not. If you look at Jesus' life, pay attention to where he was found. Pay attention to where he was found the most often. He frequently hung out in all the wrong secular places, didn't he? At least, according to some of the most religious people, they were the wrong places. And I have to wonder if Jesus was often in all the secular wrong places to remind us that there is no place off limits for Jesus and that Jesus is to be found everywhere, even in and precisely in those spots we don't expect, like everything that is overtly secular. When we leave church today, I'd like to invite all of us to keep faith glasses on, not to separate the secular from the faithful. To keep our faith glasses on this week and to pay attention to what happens when you do so. Go into the week expecting that God is going to show you reminders of his presence all over the place, not just in places religious. Go into each day expecting that God will put something right in front of you that on the surface doesn't have anything to do with anything that is not even anything special. But when you put on your faith glasses, can be looked at differently and actually be a moment of grace pointing directly toward a truth about God. Let me give you some examples. You go to a dinner party this week and wine is being served. Aha. Uh -huh. Is it really just wine? Or is it a reminder from God that Jesus worked a miracle one day long ago with wine at a wedding and continues to work miracles in your life and in mine? 
You watch a football game this afternoon and a ref makes a terrible call that is unfair. Is it really about a ref making an unfair call? Or is it actually a reminder from God that while life is unfair, God is all about grace and forgiveness, even of the unfair things we say and do? You go to a grocery store and stand in front of a litany of cold cereal selections. Is it really just cereal you're looking at? Or is the array of choices before you a reminder from God that you have been given the gift of free will and every moment that you have been given to live and take a breath is a gift from God to make a choice for how you will be at that moment? You get stuck in traffic. Is it really just an exercise in frustration? Or is it a reminder from God that patience is something that we need not only with others but with ourselves? Someone treats you unfairly is it really just about not being treated well? Or is it a palpable reminder of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me? The list and examples are as numerous as there are experiences that engage our senses. Everything is spiritual, and God is to be found in everything, even the secular, because God is everywhere. Remember, God is continually with us and seeking every and all means to remind us about him, his guiding presence and unfathomable love. And I know firsthand that God sometimes feels absent, far away, and uncaring, especially when things hurt. But it's important for all of us to, all of us to remember that neither events nor our emotions dictate where God is, for God is everywhere. Amen.